Hi friends, the Health Forward podcast is back after a long break and I'm so excited to be back with you and bring you more content and educate and empower you in your own health journey. February is American Heart Health Month, among many other things, and in today's episode, I'm going to focus specifically on what we need to know about women's heart health. Hey friends, I'm Elena Davis, your integrative health coach, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the Health Forward podcast, where each week we will be talking about different things that move us forward toward a healthier and more fulfilling life. Thanks so much for listening in. Did you know that heart disease is the number one cause of death for women in the United States? Surveys show that over half of us are unaware that heart disease is such a risk. We tend to think of things like cancer being more of a risk. And while we definitely need to be thinking about that, research shows that most American women, heart disease is their number one risk for death. In addition to the risk of heart disease being somewhat unknown, it's also not well known that the signs and symptoms for either a heart attack or another cardiac event are quite different for women than they are for men. So since the majority of you guys, my audience, is made up mostly of ladies, I want to make sure that I'm sharing this information with you so that we can all be proactive and intentional about taking care of our bodies and ensuring that we have good heart health for years to come. So why are women at a higher risk and what are some of the risk factors? Well, First, high blood pressure, also abnormal cholesterol, so especially high triglycerides and low HDL. HDL is the, uh, a lot of people call it like the happy or the good cholesterol. Diabetes, metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome is a kind of a combination of symptoms or um, diseases that someone can be experiencing. So it's a combination of high triglycerides and low HDL, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and then excess fat tissue around the waist. Harvard Medical actually says that metabolic syndrome is the biggest risk factor for women when it comes to heart disease. Some others include dysbiosis, so that's an imbalance in the gut microbiome or that um, microflora poor gut health, leaky gut, things like that. Um, Research actually shows that gut microbiome influences many health parameters, including cardiovascular health. One study uh, provided some evidence that certain families of um, gut bacteria, specifically pathogenic or the, the unfriendly gut bacteria, can be known to really affect cardiovascular health in that it can contribute to insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome. Also, a few other studies found a negative connection between a specific kind of gut bacteria and arterial stiffness. And so that is something we definitely don't want is arterial stiffness. So you kind of put those together of, we know that gut health affects so much in the body. And then 
you have some negative gut bugs causing things like arterial stiffness or maybe leading to things like metabolic syndrome and it can really quickly go downhill in in regards to your health overall but specifically your cardiovascular health some other risk factors smoking and um, oral birth control so especially those together that really increases your risk chronic high inflammation levels or inflammatory disorders so this is a big one because a lot of people have chronic inflammation especially if they have any autoimmune diseases if they have any hormone imbalance or hormone related diseases thyroid diseases a lot of these things have a root in inflammation and so that affects a lot of people another is sleep apnea or outside of apnea just poor sleep quality. There were studies showing that poor sleep quality actually was found to be related to lower HDL level. So that good or happy cholesterol level and a higher triglyceride level. So those are the two things you don't want together. And studies show that, um, a lack of good quality sleep or short durations of sleep, like not getting enough sleep or sleep apnea can lead to an increase of those uh, risk factors of the low HDL and the high triglycerides, which really just shows the importance of um, prioritizing your sleep and having good sleep hygiene. And then, of course, we have one we all know is family history. So not only are all of these risk factors a little different for women when it comes to heart disease, but as I mentioned before, the actual symptoms of heart a heart attack or a cardiac event are different as well so while it's still common for women to experience um, chest pain or pressure which is kind of the classic symptom we all think of when we think about a heart attack there are some other symptoms that women often experience that aren't as common or aren't as talked about or maybe men don't experience as much and those are pain in the jaw area, in the neck, in the back, in the upper arms, nausea or stomach pain, stomach pressure, dizziness, being lightheaded, um, increased sweating, and then shortness of breath. And some studies that I was reading and preparing for this actually talked about how you can have some of these warning signs for a couple weeks leading up to some kind of cardiac event. So if you find yourself feeling really dizzy and lightheaded and short of breath and overly fatigued and you start to have some pressure or pain that is not common, make sure that you um, make that a priority to go get that checked out because those can be warning signs for some kind of heart, heart attack or cardiac related event. So now that we've heard all the risk factors and the symptoms, we need to know what to do, right? How can we minimize our risk or work to reverse some of the health issues that we might already be experiencing? And the good news about that is a lot of chronic health conditions that I just listed can be significantly improved or even reversed with lifestyle changes. And we can do things to regulate our blood sugar levels, to lower triglyceride levels, to increase those HDL levels, to improve our microbiome. I talk about that a lot. We have a lot of control over that. And so there are things that we can do to kind of mitigate some of those risks. 
as well as to decrease inflammation, which I talk about a lot as well. And so there are certain lifestyle behaviors and changes that we can do that can help with those things, which leads you to ask me, okay, well, what are they, right? Well, the good news is, is these are a lot of the same things that I talk about often. So things like eating regular balanced meals throughout the day, right? That is going to help maintain or stabilize your blood sugar, maintain a a good, healthy blood sugar level. So no skipping meals, no eating carbs alone or protein alone, making sure that we have the carb, the protein and the fat at every meal. I sound like a broken record when it comes to that, but it is so important. Blood sugar balance is so important for so many things in the body. I often talk about it in regards to gut health and hormone health, but it also really matters in regards to cardiac health. Eating lots of plants and omega-3 fats, that's really important. That helps to decrease inflammation in the body. It feeds the good gut bacteria, especially the fiber. Those are prebiotics, and so they they feed the good guys. Um, It also helps to help with um, increasing HDL and lowering LDL, and so especially those omega-3s have been shown to really have a, a positive effect on the HDLs. Reducing artificial foods and trans fats and refined sugars. That's kind of the one we all know, we all think about, but it really is important, even if it is something that people say a lot and gets a little bit trite, it really does help to decrease inflammation. It also really helps to decrease triglycerides. So if you're struggling with high triglycerides, make sure that your diet isn't full of really refined carbs or refined sugars or a lot of like trans fats and artificial processed chemical laden foods exercising for at least 30 minutes a day really helps with decreasing inflammation it helps with increasing hdl levels there's there's really not a whole lot of ways that you that studies have proven that you can increase your hdl levels but exercise and the omega-3s were both things that were listed to help with that. And so making sure that you're getting at least 30 minutes of structured movement throughout the day, even if you're an active person, I hear that a lot. Well, I'm active. I get like 10,000 steps a day. That's great. But what you want is at least 20, preferably 30 minutes of structured time that your heart rate stays up. And so that's going to help a lot with flushing out toxins in the body. It's going to help raise your um, cortisol levels for a short amount of time, which actually helps them to decrease later instead of staying chronically high. That's where we get a lot of chronic inflammation from. And so exercise is a big deal. Also, not just movement in general for 30 minutes, but having at least two times a week, two to three times a week, that you're adding some strength training to that. And strength training has been shown to increase insulin sensitivity in the body. So that's going to help regulate those blood sugar levels to make your um, cells more sensitive to insulin so that your body can utilize the glucose, the blood sugar, when you eat or when your liver releases it when you're sleeping. And that's going to keep, it's going to help you to not have high blood sugar levels throughout the day. Um, Another big one is dealing with stress. Another one that we hear all the time, but it really does make a huge difference. Those stress hormones that I just mentioned, those really come into play when those are high all the time. As I just said, when they're chronically high, you run into a lot of issues with chronic inflammation. 
And there's lots of ways that you can deal with stress. There's one of my favorite tips is doing square breathing. I've mentioned it on here before. Square breathing or box breathing. It's where you breathe in through your nose for four seconds. You hold it for four seconds. You breathe out through your mouth for four seconds. You wait for four seconds. And you do that for about two to three minutes. And studies have actually shown that it redirects the blood flow in your brain from your amygdala, which is your fight or flight response, your emotional response, your impulse response to your frontal cortex, which is more of your logical thinking, reasonable brain, part of your brain. And so studies actually show that doing something as simple as breathing exercises actually helps to put your body back into a parasympathetic state so rest and digest state rather than fight or flight helps to lower those stress hormones so make sure you're doing that you can also um, exercise obviously helps with stress it helps you give you an outlet for that um other things that help with stress would be making sure that you're getting good sleep so prioritizing your sleep which i'm about to get into in a minute and then you can also take things called adaptogens they basically help your body with its stress response to help to regulate that a little bit so you can look more into that and talk to your doctor about that obviously make sure there's not any contraindications with anything else that you might be taking and then as i just mentioned prioritizing sleep is a big deal so sleep helps with stress as i just said it also helps with inflammation sleep is when our body should be getting into that restful state and things can restore and reset and heal it's really important for that it's important for cell turnover it's important for mental health so so many um positive health benefits come from really prioritizing your sleep the recommendation is seven to nine hours you can kind of play with that and see what's best for you if you feel best more around seven if you feel best more around eight or nine making sure you're getting into bed at a good time so preferably 10 30 definitely before 11 so that you're in a good sleep by about midnight when that deep sleep really needs to set in and then the last thing is adding some quality supplements or vitamins to kind of fill in the gaps right because we cannot live perfect lives um, we're not going to eat perfectly we're not going to get every single nutrient in we need to and even if we did our soil quality and just the the um, condition of our environment doesn't really allow us to get the maximum nutrients from our food anyway so i think it's a good idea to make sure that you're supplementing with a good whole food source multivitamin um, there's several on the market, typically not going to be what you pick up at Target or Walmart, um, but you can often find some decent ones on Amazon. You need to do a little background research to make sure that they are whole food source and then they have the amount of nutrients that you need in them. If you are a woman of childbearing age, so anywhere in your early 20s through probably 30s early 30s or even to 40 if you think that you're planning to have children a little bit later make sure that you're taking a good quality prenatal they have higher level of nutrient stores in them um, sometimes we don't exactly always control when uh, certain life changes are going to happen so making sure that your nutrient stores are good um, will really help with that also a good quality omega-3 supplement we talked about omega-3s a minute ago about how they help with hdl and increasing that level they also help with lowering inflammation and they help with a lot of other processes through the throughout the body so it's hard to get 
the appropriate amount of omega-3s in your diet unless you really eat a lot of fatty fish a lot of salmon things like that if you don't then you most likely need to be supplementing so a good source of omega-3s nordic naturals is a great brand um, they do a lot of testing they use clean sources and so um, i feel comfortable recommending that brand as well um and then a probiotic um we, we already talked about the importance of gut health and how having an imbalance, having more bad or uh, pathogenic or opportunistic bacteria rather than the good guys can cause issues. Um, so making sure that you are supplementing with a good probiotic or a good um, gut healing supplement, something like the Ion um, Gut Health uh, it's like a supplement, like a liquid supplement. Um, I think I've talked about that on here before, or, you know, making sure that you're getting a good probiotic that has a lot of different strains in it. And that has a good amount of CFUs. That's like the amount of, um, cultures in the probiotic. And so, um, taking something like that, I think regularly is also important for good gut health. You can also take like collagen and bone broth, drinking bone broth or taking a bone broth powder can help with making sure your gut lining is healthy as well. So those are a lot of the things that I regularly talk about. There's really nothing new there. Um, especially if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you have heard most of those things before. So it's easy to see how we can just consider like these basic healthy lifestyle factors are just like, oh yeah, that's what I hear all the time. But when you hear how each little thing actually does help, especially in regards to cardiovascular health, but really in so many other functions of the body, these simple basic behaviors really do affect our health over the long term. We often tend to want to like do the more extreme things or the trendy things or take the latest supplement or drink the latest shake or whatever it is. But in reality, the bottom line is doing those like simple, basic things. It really does pay off and make a difference over time. So, you know, making sure that we have those down pat or making sure that we're working towards those. And if you're struggling with a certain part of it, that's where it's good to reach out and get some help because you really want to have that foundation in place. Um, the fundamentals, the foundation, it all really plays into good health, both now and in our eighties, right? When in our sixties, seventies, eighties, when we kind of tend to think about like heart disease becoming an issue, if we've built this good, healthy foundation, then we're much less at risk for that in the future. These things matter and they really do make a difference. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope there's been at least a couple of things that maybe you didn't know or you haven't heard before, or maybe they remind you to really um, be intentional and prioritize those parts of your health. If you need help with a certain part of that, if you're struggling with exercise, if you're struggling with your gut health, if you're struggling with making sure that you're getting your blood sugar balanced, definitely reach out to a professional, myself or another health coach or a functional medical provider, someone that can really help you get to the root cause of what's going on um, with you and help you as you move forward in your health journey. Thank you guys for being here, for listening, for taking care of your health and prioritizing your health. And I will talk to you next time. Please remember that the content in this episode is not to be considered as medical advice and is only intended as general health information. Thanks so much for listening in today. 
see you back here next week for another episode of the Health Forward Podcast.